Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Well, the top running backs really dominated in fantasy last year. Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, those were your top five scorers other than quarterbacks in non-PPR. They were five of your top seven scorers in PPR. If Zeke didn't miss one game, maybe it would have been all five in PPR leagues. Who's going to join that elite tier this year? Who's going to fall out? Is Todd Gurley still there? Not according to average draft position. Welcome, everyone, to part one of our running backs preview here on Fantasy Football Today. Yeah. It's time to talk yeah. about, yeah, I love this position, man. Running backs are where it's at. You get one of those great running backs, and, and maybe you find them a little bit later. Maybe it's a late round one or a round two pick like McCaffrey last year, and you are gold. Right, Dave Richard? You're, you're pumped for running backs. They are the lifeblood of fantasy football. They are the best currency to make deals in fantasy football. They score the most points in fantasy football. You want to have as good of running backs as you possibly can on your team. Quarterbacks are not scoring the most points? Well, sure. Okay. Other than that, well, it depends on your league scoring, too. Sometimes yeah. in the four-point leagues, the numbers come down a little bit. Sure. Four-point PPR, yeah. You could you could get a, a running back that's just better than most quarterbacks for sure. Um, that's Dave. You heard Jamie. Heath, uh, yeah. How, how you feel about zero RB this year, Heath? Absolutely love it. And that's my favorite thing about this position is it's not you can't argue that those four running backs or maybe three, but those four running backs, if they are as good as they can be, they're the most valuable assets in fantasy. But you can also, especially if you have a pick in the second half of the first round, you can win your league without taking a running back in the first five rounds of the draft. It's awesome. I did it in uh, the draft. Not, I didn't do zero RB, but I, I didn't take a running back in the first two rounds. And I think that's something if you pick at the back end of the first round, you can get away with very easily. I did this in our non-PPR uh, mock draft, which we did yesterday. I agree. But I'd like to know if anybody has um, a team from last year where they went zero RB and one. If you could just nope, you know, I don't. a picture <laughs> of what that team looked like. I didn't do it once. I, I, I fear not having at least one uh, heavy heavy workload. I mean, that's what you're really looking for is touches. You want a guy who's involved, not splitting. And uh, I, I don't have the stones, I guess, to go zero RB. I'm sorry. I have a team that last year made won the championship with Nick Chubb and Damian Williams as the top running back. Yeah, that the one where early round, you know, you pick them up off waivers mm-hmm. is, is what it amounts to. So there's more than one way to get those really good running backs on your fantasy team. You don't have to spend the the early round pick to do it. I was just wondering if anybody off the top of their head knew that they had a team where they literally went the first five rounds of the draft and didn't have a running back with any of those picks. I, I wish I could remember my teams from last year that, that well. I haven't had enough time remembering my kids' birthdays. Um, but I do think <laughs> it's bad. important. You know, you're not going to get a... You might not, you're probably not going to get a 300 touch running back in the sixth round or later, but you may just have three of the top 20 wide receivers, a top three tight end, and a top two quarterback. You don't have to have a 300-touch running back if you have those five things. Well, it's also a matter of you know how you end up with playing waivers and, and certainly you know the guys that you end up hitting on because, I mean, think about where Nick Chubb was drafted, where Chris Carson was drafted, where you know you you may have you know Tevin Coleman was drafted you know guys that gave you touches and and certainly production obviously Philip Lindsay off waivers James Connor you know picking him up late in the draft depending on when you did hold your draft there are a number of ways that it could have worked out fantastic for you and it will work out the same way again you know it's just a matter of which guys you end up hitting on and that's the that's the fun of this game you know and and I think we don't really reiterate this enough because we get so ingrained in oh I have to draft this amazing team your team is going to look so different by the end of the year. And at that position, probably more so than any other. The running back position will have so much turnover. And that's, I think, the biggest key is that you may get stud running backs. And hopefully those guys are fantastic. But we're already talking. I mean, just think about right now what we're dealing with. Two major holdouts that may completely alter what those teams look like in terms of what their backs are. Dave took Alfred Morris in a draft yesterday. And he may end up being valuable for the first few weeks of the season. I hope it's not the case, but it could be. Eckler and Jackson with the Chargers situation. 
Deion Lewis with the Tennessee situation. Dexter Williams could be the best running back in Green Bay for all we know. I mean, it's just so many things that are in flux right now. And we have 30 teams that have yet to play a preseason game. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, and I went back to, to try to find if wide receivers are safer than running backs. You know, people, I think there was one year where all the running backs got hurt. I think it was 2015, maybe. It was a terrible year, and, and we really pivoted to uh, wide receivers. In fact, that the following year, the next three, the first three picks in average draft position were wide receivers. It was probably a bit of an overreaction. But, you know, it just it got people thinking a lot. Hey, running backs get hurt all the time. I should really take wide receivers early. Obviously, we see it in Dynasty. So what I did was I went and I looked on FantasyFootballCalculator.com. I looked at average draft position for each of the last three seasons. And not this season, obviously, but 2016, 17, 18. Top 12 running backs, top 12 wide receivers. And I looked at games missed due to injury. I removed, um, like I removed Ezekiel Elliott when he only played 10 games. Uh, I removed uh, Kareem Hunt last year. I removed the major suspensions, but for the most part, everyone stayed in. And what Le'Veon I found, Bell removed himself for you. Who's that? Le'Veon removed himself yes, for you. Yes, exactly. I removed Le'Veon Bell. But uh, running backs missed almost twice as many games. It was something like 111 missed games for running backs compared to about 61 for. Um, it was 112 for the top 12 running backs in ADP over the last three years, missed due to injury. And 61 games missed by the wide receivers. So, yeah, it's significant. They do get hurt, and that's why that's why you get Jamal Williams carrying you to a fantasy championship or something down the stretch. Uh, Elijah McGuire, I was starting in a league down the stretch. It happens. Okay, uh, let's start. So this is part one. Tomorrow's going to be extensive ADP, getting into the middle rounds, the Tariq Cohens and the James Whites and then those guys, and the late rounds, obviously, and the handcuffs and anything else. Today, maybe we'll start ADP, hopefully get to the first two or three rounds, but we'll talk a little bit more generally. What are you looking for, guys, in a top five running back? You know, I think it's, I don't want to just take the answer, but uh, Dave, I think it's a combination of a lot of touches, the goal line work, right? And I I think being on a good offense is important. Um, 20 of, over the last five years, there have obviously been 25 top five running backs. 20 of them have been on top 16 offenses and uh, 15 of them have been on top 10 offenses. So, you know, that's, that's important, right? And that's why some people have questions about Saquon Barkley, who was on the, I think, 17th best offense last year. And he was just so good. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious why he was a top five running back. Did you check to see how many of those 25 running backs had 50 catches? He was actually on the 16th, um, best offense last year so he made the cut uh that's another <laughs> okay. thing the ca- the catches are important we have not had a top eight ppr receiver or a top six non-ppr receiver in either of the last two seasons or sorry running, running back. back running back yeah running back without 50 catches so each of the last two years if you wanted to be a top five running back you have to have 50 catches in either format now zeke probably zeke would have been an exception two years ago if he didn't get suspended. He wouldn't have had 50 catches, and he would have been a top-five running back. But for the most part, 50 catches is a pretty big benchmark for a top-five guy nowadays. Yes, it is. Um, I went back and took the averages of the top-five running backs over the last two seasons, and they averaged over 320 touches. So that's a pretty simple number that I think you can get into your head. Both or all the running backs the last two years averaged over 13 total touchdowns last year. It was more like, what was it, Adam? I had it sent it to 15.2 total touchdown for the top five running backs. That's their average. So I, I've, I've sat here and I've talked about how, well, if you're in the first round, you've got to get a running back with 1500 total yard and, and 10 plus touchdowns. Maybe that's not enough. Maybe you need to go after running backs that you think are going to get you 13 plus total touchdowns, 320 plus total touches and well over sixteen to well over seventeen hundred total yeah. yards. You, you really have to. You almost want to hope for a guy. You almost want to look at a guy and say, "Can he get me two thousand? Yes, you and really then if are. Can't get you two thousand. Well, can he get you seventeen hundred? I, I think everybody knows who the top but four of the top five running backs are going to be. Well, that's a question for you, Heath. Is like, yeah, if you look at Zeke, Barkley, Kamara, McCaffrey. Uh, Gurley, Melvin Gordon, who was on pace before his injury, he was on pace for over 2,000 yards. You look at Le'Veon Bell, who's consistently a 2,000-yard guy. David Johnson, in his RB1 year 2016, he he had more than 2,000 total yards. Um, 
McCaffrey's a bit of an exception because he doesn't get quite the touches. He was on pace for uh, 1,700 total yards. He only played 15 games. But do you see anyone else, Heath, that's, that can jump into that 2,000 total yard category? And you met Kamara when you said was the only on pace for 1,700 yards, right? Because McCaffrey said, had 320 touches. Yes, yeah, I he said McCaffrey. He, he had 320 touches last year. It's a little bit of a question mark whether he'll keep that workload moving forward, but I fully expect it. I think like if you want to look at guys that could jump into that touch level, you're probably just jumping straight into some of our favorite breakout candidates. The first one that jumps into my mind, and it's just an injury question as to whether he'll, his body will allow him to do it, but Leonard Fournette. Jacksonville has not brought in a pass-catching running back that I think should threaten him in that aspect of the game. We've already seen him on a huge pace. I believe his 16-game pace for total yardage is like 1,900 yards. So he's basically done it. He just has to stay healthy for 16 games. Carry on Johnson, Dalvin Cook, another couple of guys. I expect both of these offenses really want to be run heavy. Cook has the advantage of having a very good defense, so his team should be able to be run heavy. But again, can he stay healthy? And then what I like about carry on, and I was going to say about Barkley earlier, you do need to be on a good offense, but if you're not on a good offense, it def- you have to be the guy that's going to catch passes. And Theo Riddick getting cut, basically just make sure that happens with carry-on. And so I do think that uh, Johnson, Cook, and Fournette are the three guys most likely to jump into that range. They all have good defenses, though. Fournette does, and, and Johnson could. Could. Mm, yeah. Fournette, by the way, we just got a report. Doug Marone saying that he he likes Fournette in the passing game. We can expect more from him in the passing game. And Fournette has done it on such a bad yards per carry so far. And there's certainly reason to think that the yards per carry could come way up this year. Jamie's talked about it a lot. A much healthier offensive line. And look, Melvin Gordon was a bad yards per carry guy for three years. And then he was five yards per carry last year. So if you have the talent, it can certainly happen. Um, how should we, so (laughs) it's August 7th right now, JB, how should we treat Ezekiel Elliott? I mean, I think let's say you're drafting today. When would you take Zeke? Or, uh, you know, I, I think there's still reason for optimism that there's going to be a deal done. You know, if you just listen to what the Cowboys are saying, what Jerry Jones is saying, and, you know, obviously they, I, I think, you know, the thought would be is that they have a window to win now. You know, their, their team is, is very well put together and, and, and should be very competitive. You can make an argument that they're the best team in the NFC East and one of the best teams in, in the NFC, um, but they need this guy. And so um, the fact that he did not get a deal done by August 6th leads itself to believe that, that he believes he's going to get a, a contract because if he doesn't play, then he loses the year of service time. So I'm still confident it's going to happen. You know, but it's the same thing I've been saying about Andrew Luck. The four guys at the top of this position, Barkley, Kamara, McCaffrey, and Elliott, are all so good and have the chance to be so great given their roles in their respective teams and what they've showed us in some cases over the last several years that there's a downgrade coming for one of them and you have to just sort of nitpick each guy. And so I think with what you're doing now on draft day is – the other three guys just seem a little bit safer. And so it's just a matter of what your risk versus reward is. And we, we know we had this situation last year where we got burned by Le'Veon Bell. And so that's in a lot of people's minds, understandably so. But I still think that, you know, you, you just have to realize that if you're drafting now, this is the risk. If you draft before, the, clo- the, the further away you draft from the start of the season, the more chances you take. And this is a huge chance. I, I still think, though, you take him in the first four picks if you're drafting right now. We were asked, what's the difference between Ezekiel Elliott sold out and Melvin Gordon sold out? Because Melvin Gordon, for us, would be a first-round pick if he were healthy. And now, forget about healthy, but if he were in camp. In camp. Yeah. And I I just think that there's way more, Jamie said, there's more optimism with Ezekiel Elliott. And with Jerry Jones, it's confidence in Jerry Jones to eventually say, to hell with it, pay him what he wants, get him in here, let's win this thing. But it's certain, and the service. Chargers who don't have the cash and have seemingly drawn their line in the sand saying, Melvin, we're not going to pay you any more than what we've offered you. I think there's a report that says that they offered him $10 million per year and he's turning it down. So I'm I'm actually pessimistic on Melvin Gordon showing up before week one at this point. But it, it's service time. is so important for these two guys because all Melvin has to do is show up in week 11 and he's eligible. I think it's week 11, if I understand correctly. Is it week 11 uh, or 10? Um, 
Whatever. Wh- whatever the case may be. Show, show up by the end of the season. Uh, to I think it's the six games, right? He has to play. Yeah, six he's got to play six right. games to be eligible for free. Agent. So so he he has to show up, and he can do that, and then he walks. And so that's the the biggest key is is that you know Zeke's service time is different, and so he's making a stand saying I'm I'm not playing this year without a contract. If that happens, then he's putting himself at jeopardy of being under the Cowboys' control for an additional season. Again, I don't understand all the ramifications, so I apologize, but um. It just, it just that factor I think with Gordon is is big. And just for everyone to understand, uh, this position preview is one that people are going to go back and listen to two weeks from now. You know, three weeks from now as they're getting ready for their draft prep, they're going to look at our feed. They're going to see running back preview. They're going to listen to that one. Uh, you know, long after the fact. Now, a lot of you're going to listen to it today or tomorrow, whatever. But I'm not going to spend too much time today talking about the Zeke and Melvin Gordon situations necessarily. Uh, so, you know, that's probably why I don't want to have a, a big section with outdated information. So listen, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about overall strategy. By the way, you should be watching us on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash fantasy football today and you can see our video. You can also get our full video in CBS All Access. And I think some of them will be on uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. I'm going to ask you your overall running back strategy in a bit. Today's sponsor is FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash FFT. Get a $5 bonus. I'm going to beat you all in FanDuel this year. I love FanDuel. So, um, yeah, you're going to hear about that. And we'll take a quick break here. When we come back, some some overall running back discussions, some sleepers, some breakouts, and busts are coming up right after this. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to part one of the running backs preview. Guys, what is your overall running back strategy? Mr. Strategy himself, what is your overall running back strategy? Listen, I gave you a quarterback strategy. I almost gave you a tight end strategy. I'm not going to do this for every position. I will say it's determined by a couple of things. If I have a top four pick, I'm obviously going to take a running back in the first round. If I have a pick in the last three picks of the first round, there is a very, very, very good chance. I'm not going to take any running backs in the first two rounds. And there's a better than average chance that I'm going to go zero running back. It is totally dependent though, on what the other people in my league are doing, because if James Connor happens to be there and in some of our drafts, some draft, not of our drafts, but in some drafts he is, then I will take James Connor with a 10, 11 or 12 pick. He's usually gone. If Connor and Johnson are both gone, I'm going wide receiver, wide receiver. And then I'll just stockpile running backs later. What would make you go? I, sorry, Dave. Heath, what would make I'm you sorry. go from, okay, I'll take a running back in the third or the fourth round or both to zero RB? You know, who would have to be there late in the third, early in the fourth for you to say, okay, I can't pass this up. I, I Now I'm going zero RB. I'm not taking a running back until earliest round five. It, the, for receivers, it's a guy like Brandon Cooks. For tight ends, it's either Ertz or Kittle. And then when I get to the fourth round, early fourth round, if Mahomes is still there, like if I've started my draft with Juju and Julio or Michael Thomas and Juju, and then I get Ertz at the end of the third, and then Mahomes is there at the start of the fourth, I'm probably just going to take Mahomes and find running backs later. Interesting. All right, Dave, your running back strategy. It used to be that I wanted two running backs with my first three picks, and now it's like two running backs with my first four or five picks. I'm I'm far more willing. I I still like taking running backs early, and when they're when they're there at values that I think are correct, I'm going to take them. Did it yesterday in a draft that we did where I started running back, running back. But once I, I'm not as committed to running backs early as I used to be, but I'm still very committed to drafting as many running backs as I can, especially running backs that I'm willing to be patient with. 
because we've seen it now each of the last few years. Just, I mean, we see it every year, but Alvin Kamara two years ago, Nick Chubb last year, young players who have talent should be drafted and held on to for at least a month, maybe even longer than that, as long as you possibly can, just to have them on your team ready to go when they get that like opportunity. Who? who are you talking about? Well, there's a lot of rookie running backs that I, I like this year. Um, Damian Harris in New England. Devin Singletary in Buffalo. I have Singletary ranked higher than LaShawn McCoy. Uh, I still like Alexander Madison. I still like Darwin Thompson. Uh, Justice Hill in Baltimore. You could certainly make a case for him. And those are the types of running backs that I think if they were given an opportunity, it's the lottery ticket theory. If they get an opportunity, I think that they can help carry your team in the second half to a fantasy title. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll throw Mike Davis in there. I know he's not sexy. I know he's not a rookie, but he goes so late. It's a good call. And yep. uh, this time this time last year when we did our show, our running backs preview, uh, Rashad Penny was going five rounds earlier than Chris Carson. And Montgomery's going like 10 rounds earlier than Mike Davis. Uh, Jamie, you have an, a running back strategy you'd like to submit for the group. I mean, it's kind of the, the same thing that we've just been talking about. It, I think it depends on where you pick. Uh, it's very easy to pass on a running back in the first round if you don't get one of the first four picks, unless you're really in love with, I think it's the trio of David Johnson, James Conner, and Le'Veon Bell, because those are going to be the three guys that go in the first round for sure. Maybe Joe Mixon. And in some cases, we may see Todd Gurley start to creep up back into the first round consideration just based on the fact that he's healthy right now. But uh, it's very easy to go with a receiver in the first round and then still get a good running back in round two, or in some cases, wait until round three, because I think that group of guys in the third round, format is obviously important here too, but the the group of Marlon Mack and Josh Jacobs and Devontae Freeman, and you know if you still want to put Aaron Jones there, I think this is where Damian Williams will start to fall to. You know, hopefully he's healthy. That, that's it's just a good group, and even in you know moving into round four, which I think Chris Carson, you know, is is starting to push himself back into that group. Uh, Mark Ingram should be in that group. Tevin Coleman may get himself into that range. You know, still Derrick Henry and Philip Lindsay. It, it's it's very it's very good in the in the middle of the of the number two running backs. You know, that, that's a that's a good group right now. It's not overwhelming. It's not dominant like what the top guys can be. But you know, kind of to Heath's point, if you if you go receiver early with you know maybe your first three picks or tight end or quarterback in there. You can still start to get good value, and then you even take that a step further. And the guys that are there in round five and round six, where you know you get a potential Montgomery or, or Sanders or uh, you know Penny, um, you know another clear lottery ticket. You know Dave mentioned the later guys, but Daryl Henderson. You know if in fact Gurley is a is a potential problem. There's just it, it's it's a deep group. You know it, it's it's top heavy with the guys that should be top five worthy, but it's a it's a deep enough group that. You know, the Austin Ecklers and those guys can still be very good starters for your team. And then, you know, you hit on on hopefully somebody later that could be really good down the stretch. We've spent a lot of time, Heath, talking about PPR. Most of our mocks are PPR. We've sort of moved toward PPR. Non-PPR, though, how much do things change? And those top four running backs, are they still the top four picks even in non-PPR? Specifically a guy like McCaffrey or Kamara. Yeah, absolutely. They are still the top four, and they're actually a little more separated. And I start considering even taking a running back at number five, but I still have Hopkins there because of the safety and security. I, I am a slightly less likely to start like with without any running backs in the first two or three rounds in non-PPR. But it doesn't seem like I adjust running backs up as much in non-PPR as everyone who I draft with does. So I still end up in that situation a lot. I, I think it's a small bump for running back value compared to the other positions, just maybe not quite as big as some people make it out to be. Yeah, of course it depends on the running back you're talking about. Sony Michelle has a huge difference in value, non-PPR to PPR. Same with James White, obviously, in different directions. Uh, Dave, you mentioned that yesterday you did a draft and you went RBRB with your first two picks. So how do you feel about that? Like it, the, the the stat I gave earlier about running backs missing almost twice as many games as top 12, top 12 running backs in ADP versus top 12 wide receivers, the running backs missing almost twice as many games due to injury than the wide receivers over the last three years. It does make me a little bit hesitant to go um, with two running backs, especially because, you know, I've got injury concerns with carry on Johnson. I've got major touch concerns with Dalvin cook. And those would be two of the, you know, a, a Damian Williams would fall into that mix. Those would be some of the options as my second running back if I had a top four pick and I went with one of the studs. You know, right. I, I, I don't, 
I don't see myself going RBRB very often. It would have to be something like Todd Gurley falling to me late in, in round two or something like that, and then I'd be pretty jazzed about it. Well, to give proper context, I was picking eighth overall in a non-PPR. James Conner was there in round one, took him, and Joe Mixon was there in round two. Mm. And there wasn't a receiver that I liked. I thought it was too early for Kittle. And, uh, yeah, I know. I'm finally <laughs> coming around on, you know, not taking George Kittle in the second round. But that was not PPR. I'm in. Huge distinction, yeah. right? You wouldn't have done that. I, I think I'm still taking Mixon over Kittle, though, in PPR. I just I see Joe Mixon. I know the situation is getting a little bit worse for him. But I, I still see him as someone who has potential to be a top five running back. I'm not going to rank it that way. He's still a top ten. Um, but I, I, I think he can be, I think he can be a top 10 fantasy running back. And if I didn't have two of those guys on my team, I'm, I'm real happy to do it. Okay. Um, give me guys a top 20 running back you're avoiding. We'll go Dave, Jamie Heath, the top 20 running back you're avoiding. It's Devonte Freeman. I'm still concerned about injury workload, um, role in offense, um, I, I know he's going to be the lead back. That's not the role I'm worried about. I'm worried about him getting back to 18-plus touches per game. I don't see that happening. And uh, I, I, I still think that the Falcons will be a little more pass-heavy than my colleagues here are uh, are predicting. Okay. Jamie, top 20 running back you're avoiding. I mean, it's Le'Veon just based on where his average draft position is right now. Uh, I just think that you know he's more of a second-round yeah, I give him more of a second round grade than a first round grade, but um, you know, it's funny with all the guys that are falling apart in front of him, whether due to holdout or injury, it's uh it's getting a little harder to justify saying he's a second round pick. Um and I'm I'm very close to going back to my original take on Damian Williams that he shouldn't <laughs> be <laughs> taken so high. But um yeah, right now I'll say love you. Yeah, Le'Veon's probably the one we get the most questions about, the most why are you so down on Le'Veon Bell? And, you know, in three of his past four seasons, he's been a top two running back per game in PPR, top three in non-PPR. If You know, I, I did kind of a little math problem with him, a math experiment with him. If you take away 25% of his production based on his 16-game pace over the last four years, which is, you know, when he's been great uh, and not including last year, you're talking about like uh, top six running back in PPR, top eight in non-PPR last year. Okay, so you take his 409 touches per season per uh, per 16 games. You reduce it to 307. You take his fantasy points. You reduce it 25. percent What you're looking at is a guy who would have finished as RB eight in non-PPR last year and RB six in PPR last year. That might feel a little low. Because the touchdowns have never been there. He's never had more than 11 or 12 total touchdowns. It's the weirdest thing. James Conner did that in one year as his replacement. But, you know, if he had a normal touchdown rate for a guy with his touches, he's probably still talking about an elite guy, even if you subtract 25% of his production. Does that make sense, or was that too convoluted on Le'Veon Bell? No, it makes sense. Well, I think it makes sense. But the problem is I don't feel confident that there's much chance like I think the 25% is coming off the touches, just right off the top. He was a 400-plus touch guy per 16 games. Right. And I don't think he's going to be much over 300. So it, it's, can he be just as efficient? Because the 25% is already gone with the touches. I think he's probably a little bit less efficient as well, considering he has a worse quarterback, a worse line, and worse weapons around him. Yeah, just I wonder if he could just get that touchdown rate up. But, right, we've, we've talked about some of the, all the things he'd said. The offense isn't going to be as good. The line isn't going to be as good, even with Alex Lewis and Khalil. And then the running style. We just don't know how that's going to work. Uh, Heath, who's a top 20 running back you're avoiding? Yeah, I don't really feel comfortable with this one. And I wouldn't say I've actively avoided him, but I have not drafted David Johnson yet, who is the fifth running back off the board in a majority of the drafts that I've participated in. I, I'm just, I'm a little bit cautious about how excited we are about this Arizona offense. And I do think there's some risk that things just don't go well. The offensive line is still terrible in Arizona. Maybe more importantly, like I think there is a possibility that things go well for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, and it's still not great for David Johnson. I don't recall a lot of huge running back seasons from Kingsbury's running backs at Texas Tech. 
His offenses are extremely pass heavy, and I fully expect that David Johnson should spend a lot of time in the slot and get a lot of those targets. But there's not generally one guy or two guys that are getting a huge percentage of the targets in a Kingsbury offense. So if his rush attempts really come down, he's not very efficient running the ball, and there's not a huge spike in the targets. I'm a little bit concerned. Oh, man. This is a tough one because, like, he is go- he is probably going to dominate running back touches, right? He got 100% of the carries inside the five-yard line last year for the Cardinals. That's probably going to go down because of Kyler Murray, but in terms of running back carries inside the five, he's going to dominate there. We know he can catch the ball. We know he can be the number one player in fantasy. He did it in 2016, and I don't know when to pull the trigger. Dave and Jamie, when do you pull the trigger on David Johnson? Five. In PPR, five. For me, it's non-PPR, five. PPR, I can still go receiver there. So in PPR, when for you, Jamie? After two two uh, receivers? Uh, receivers? Yeah, after Adams and Hopkins. Whew. Heath, what about you? When are you pulling the trigger on David Johnson? I've, I've never had the opportunity. Um, so it's, it's all theoretical, but right around 10 or 11. Dave and Jamie, it doesn't seem like you have the same concerns as Heath. Uh, no, I, I mean they're they're valid. Obviously, you know there, there's there's reason for trepidation. You know the fact that he played, you know, 16 games last year and struggled with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. I mean, you know, it's it's clearly an upgrade in, in terms of what the system should be for what Steve Wilkes had there, um, for for the Cardinals last year as the head coach. But and and the hope would obviously be Kyler Murray's better than Josh Rosen. But the offensive lines upgraded. The talent around them is upgraded. You know, in terms of what the receiving core should be. Uh, I like the fact that they're going to run a lot of plays. At least that's the hope. And so, you know, if he stays healthy, I think, you know, you you see what the floor is. You know, he can sort of struggle through the season and still put together top 10 numbers. You you know, again, it depends on what you you know value total points or or points per week. But I think that, again, he's not going to destroy your fantasy team if he plays 16 games. Yeah. Because that's what we saw. He was RB10. He's, He's... He's sixth for me overall in PPR, not fifth. I'm sorry. Um, I I think he's a great fit for the scheme. And think about how running backs with running quarterbacks do. They they typically put up some outstanding numbers, and Kyler will run the ball. That zone read is going to be awesome to watch in Arizona. All right. Okay, let's do some sleepers, breakouts, and busts, and then we'll get into ADP, maybe the first round or two. Tomorrow will be almost entirely dedicated to average draft position and some news and notes. Uh, Jarek McKinnon's off the pup list. Uh, there's not nothing really huge breaking. I mentioned the note about Leonard Fournette. Oh, there was a tweet from Steve Reed of the Associated Press. I'm honestly beginning to wonder if Curtis Samuel might be Carolina's number one wide receiver this season. Won't yeah. surprise me. Not a knock on DJ Moore at all, but Samuel has looked that, capital that, good in training camp. Um, and then we'll update you on Antonio Brown and his frostbite. I think I have them five spots apart now. Okay, okay. <laughs> LeSean McCoy has been told he's the guy in the Buffalo backfield. Dave already mentioned he has Singletary ranked ahead. Uh, Chris Carson said he and Rashad Penny are getting more reps in the passing game. Mike Davis actually led the Seahawks with 32 catches, 214 yards, Seahawks running backs, and one touchdown receiving. And uh, Jameis Winston could check down more this season, which would be nice for uh, whoever's going to claim that spot. Um, all right, sleepers, breakouts, and bust. Heath, who's your favorite sleeper running back? I'm going to go with Latavius Murray. When we wrote our sleepers running backs last week, I couldn't choose him because his ADP was a little bit too high, but 96th overall on CBS at the 8-9 turn. This is one of my favorite running backs if I do go 0RB. He's taking over the Mark Ingram role, and we were drafting Mark Ingram in the fourth or fifth round the last couple of years. I think there's double-digit touchdown upside here, and I expect him to be slightly more involved in the passing game than he was in Minnesota, if not heavily involved. I don't think we're going to see Alvin Kamara get the 320, 330 touches. So there'll still be plenty of work there for Murray in a Saints offense that's gone pretty run heavy the last couple of years. All right, Jamie, your favorite sleeper? I keep moving Jalen Samuels up. You know, I I think you're starting to hear out of Pittsburgh how they're going to be very creative in using him. And then there's always the factor of what happens if James Conner goes down. You know, will it be Samuels or will it be Benny Snell? We saw Samuels, you know, put up good fantasy production last year once. He got the opportunity after Connor's ankle injury in that three-game stretch. And so there's that factor as well that he could be a lottery ticket for you. 
But I think that he may end up getting some standalone value if, in fact, he does become this sort of pass-catching option, H-back, that they may use to help replace not just Antonio Brown's targets, but also Jesse James and his playing time. So I, I think Samuels is starting to become a little bit more attractive and certainly somebody that has the chance, if, in fact, Connor suffers an injury, to be a league winner for you. Dave? Uh, I, I think that now's a good time to talk about Devin Singletary and why I have him ranked ahead of LaShawn McCoy. I think that he's obviously the fresher, younger talent. I think that he's... The fact that he's getting opportunities with the first-team offense in training camp, to me, speaks quite a lot. And LaShawn McCoy could easily get banged up. Frank Gore, I know he's never really gotten banged up, but it could happen. When, when they want to turn to the future, they're going to turn to this kid who has unbelievable lateral agility. If you just do yourself a favor and watch one video on YouTube of Devin Singletary playing against anybody against Oklahoma, it's even more impressive, but he makes guys miss. He breaks tackles. He's not like a super burner, but he's just, he's, he's an incredible running back who I think will get a big opportunity in Buffalo. Their offensive line's better. They're, the the deep threat of their passing game will always be present because of Josh Allen on the field. And I, I love getting him in round 10 plus, and I'm just going to sit on him for a month and wait for him to break out in that Bills offense. All right. So we've got Latavius. I hope you're right. I, I hope you're right. It'd be fun to see. Yeah, he's so much fun to watch. Well, I mean, you know, it's just it's it there 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 was a report that Yeldon may not make the team, which, you know, kind of would help things out, certainly in that regard. But you know, you know how coaches get, which we saw with the Dolphins last year. You know, they lean on these veteran guys so much, even though the younger guy may be better. And it's just frustrating because who knows what this offense could be with the younger talent. I mean, maybe Buffalo gives Singletary that opportunity. What would make a ton of sense is if they just moved on from LaShawn McCoy, maybe give McCoy a chance to go to a team that could use him. Tampa Bay would be the Chargers. obvious. There you go. Choice. All right, no, let's we go. Want, we want Gordon. In. You know, you know, the Browns moved on from a veteran in the middle of last season, too. So it, I don't. Very true. So it's not all. Some coaches can actually be progressive. All right, I'm ready for some breakouts. Here we go. Heath, who's your favorite breakout? Yes, I get to go first, so I get to say carry on Johnson. Damn Theo it. Riddick's gone. Johnson will be the primary pass-catching back. This is not a bad situation in Detroit, and I know you might have to rewind and hear that again, and this is not a bad situation for a running back in Detroit. The offensive line is good. The defense is improved. They have a head coach and an offensive coordinator that want to run the ball, and C.J. Anderson's the only person there to share touches with. I think there's a good chance, as long as Johnson stays healthy, he makes the leap and could challenge to be the number, the top number five running back in football this year. I've spoken out against carry on before. I can't do it anymore. Uh, I know that there's injury risk, but he's, he's, he's a good, talented three down type of back. He's going to lose some work to CJ Anderson. I'm scared. It's going to be at the goal line, but he's, he's going to play a lot. He's going to catch a lot of passes and he's worth the second round pick. Can't deny it. I'm taking him ahead of Dalvin cook. Okay. Uh, Dave, I'll just stick with you. Who's your breakout. If, if it's not carry on, it's not carry on it. I'll go with Tevin Coleman in San Francisco. Uh, his career high in total yards, I think, is a, it's under 1,100 yards. I think he crushes that this year. I think he's the best running back that the 49ers have, even with Jerick McKinnon coming back. I know they'll use multiple guys each week, but Coleman's the one who's best suited to play three downs, get 15 touches, definitely work the goal line. I doubt you'll see Jerick McKinnon at the goal line. And I don't think this 49ers offense is that bad. I think their offensive line is actually pretty good. I think with Jimmy Garoppolo coming under center, I think the passing game is going to be real good. I expect the receivers to take a step forward. And Tevin Coleman has finished as a top 24 running back each of the last three years. I wouldn't be surprised if he finished top 15. So when we see him go in round five in our drafts, I actually start to get a little upset because I want to get him in round five in my drafts and I can't do it anymore. Okay, Tevin Coleman for Dave, carry on Johnson for Heath. Jamie, who's your breakout? I think Leonard Fournette's going to have a monster season. He sort of alluded to this with what his 16-game production could be. But I just go back to 2017 when he was a rookie and the Jaguars led the NFL in rushing attempts. And I know Baltimore is going to be in that conversation, obviously Seattle as well. But this is what Jacksonville's identity wants to be based on what Tom Coughlin loves leaning on his defense, allowing his run game to sort of dictate time of possession. And as much as Nick Foles is an upgrade over Blake Bortles, if Leonard Fournette plays 16 games, you said this, Adam, this offensive line should be better. You know, hopefully Cam Robinson's healthy, but Jawan Taylor on the other side is a huge upgrade. I just think that Fournette, if he stays healthy, if he gives you 
13 plus games. His role in the passing game will be better. His opportunities will be better. He's in better shape. He's not perfect. He's certainly flawed, but a, a second round pick on Leonard Fournette. I think the three guys that you're going to get in the second round that you should absolutely love if they stay healthy and they all are tied to injuries are Leonard Fournette, on Johnson, and Dalvin Cook. If they play the majority of the season, they are going to be such huge difference makers and all three can challenge to be top five running backs this year. Adam, can I give my favorite stat on Fournette? Yeah. Okay. He's played 21 games in two years. I, I, I'm i in the Fournette camp too. I think I have him ranked higher than you guys. Welcome. You were, you were fighting it for a long time. I was, you know what? The, the, the fact, here, here's what swayed me. Number one, he was a top 10 running back in 2017 in 13 games, which is pretty incredible. Number two, in 21 games he's played in, he has 12 touchdowns from three yards or closer. The chart, the, the chart, the Jaguars have only three other touchdowns from other players from three yards or closer in those games. So when they belly up to the goal line, they're thinking Fournette. The Vikings, by comparison, aren't like that with Dalvin Cook. The Lions, by comparison, aren't like that with their running backs. I think that that helps put Leonard Fournette over the edge. He's got the highest upside of any of the injury risk running backs, and he's healthy right now. He's slimmed down, and I agree with everybody. I think he's going to continue catching a lot of passes. Another second-round pick worth taking. Yeah, but when you look at those three that Jamie just mentioned, and I, and I think Todd Gurley might be in that group. It depends on your draft. Um, first of all, would he you should take, be in that group. Absolutely, should be in that group. Well, I, he might be ahead of that group. Is what I'm saying. Um, oh, I agree. Yeah, would you take Gurley ahead of Fournette, Cook, Carry On? I'm not no. there yet, but but I, I think you know again if he continues to progress the way he's you know what he's doing, it it's it's certainly encouraging, and he's the one that has the track record. And when you start to compare, okay, who's an injury risk? The guy who may have something that could take him off the field, and did for two games, or the guys who haven't played 16 games yet. You know, I mean, Dalvin Cook's missed more games than he's played. Carryon Johnson couldn't make it through his rookie season and has a track record going back to high school. Leonard Fournette, you know, had not just on the field issues, but off the field issues. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if Gurley is, Gurley is going to end up, I still think, being a, a, a league winner for a lot of people. And it oh, may yeah. not be over a 16-game period, but if he plays eight healthy games and is what he's capable of doing in this offense. Oh, man. I'm so excited about I mean, it. It, it, my, it could my be tremendous. Biggest, my, my biggest question with Gurley is on a because I think you're probably right that it's not fair to say he's a bigger injury risk than those guys. My biggest question is if these guys all play 16 games, does Gurley get as many touches as the other three? Yeah, because my expectation way, right now is Daryl Henderson is going to take too much of the passing game work away from Gurley. Is my fear? Uh, I just I, don't I think see you're you're. It. you're you're a hundred percent right in in that could happen. And and it's it's easy to expect that what look, so far everything Sean McVay has said about Todd Gurley has been accurate. He's fine, he's gonna be there for the start of camp, no pop list, all those things. He's going through joint practices with the Chargers. You know, we're gonna get a chance to see on on hard knocks uh what he looks like going against the Raiders, you know, if in fact they show that. Um, you know, so right now from the the end of the year through now, he's he's met all of his benchmarks. But still, if you were to ask anybody right now, we, we ran that Twitter poll, Heath, for, for uh, FFT on CBS Sports HQ. Todd Gurley versus Damian Williams, who's dealing with an injury concern right now and who has a track record of being hurt. If you, if you say Todd Gurley 16 games with just that number alone, just that fact alone, there is no chance anybody is drafting Carryon Johnson, Leonard Fournette, or Dalvin Cook ahead of him. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just telling you that right. if you put that in front of anybody, Todd Gurley, 16 games. They are going to take Todd Gurley more times than that. And they may take him over Ezekiel Elliott at this point. Yeah, he, you know, he's I was the about to he's say, the best. you guarantee. He's the best. He, like, he has been so much better than everyone else. Even those top four running backs last year. Well, Gurley, the, the top four running backs that are going this year. Gurley was better on a per-game basis. A lot better than both of them. And it's two years in a row. And the first eight games of the season, he was on pace for like 30 touchdowns. If In 2017, Gurley was the number one running back in fantasy. If he had lost... 400 receiving yards that year, he still would have been the number one running back in fantasy. So you can take some away from him. And I'll just finish up by saying, guys, of those four running backs we mentioned, Gurley, Cook, Carrion Johnson, and Fournette, in terms of touches, the one I'm most worried about is Dalvin Cook. Because they have Madison, they obviously use Latavius Murray, and this guy can't stay healthy. So I, I think he's got a bigger chance of losing touches to someone else. 
and maybe losing goal, some goal line work. I love all these guys. I, I agree. It's an exciting group. They could all be amazing. Um, Fournette scares me for obvious reasons, but but touches. I think Cook has the biggest chance of losing touches to to Madison compared to other uh, you know to, compared to the other three. Well, if if, if it's Madison, you know, he's still got to prove that he's the second guy. I I think the one thing to keep in mind with Todd Gurley, th- this is the one game I go back to with him last year, and it was the Cowboys game in the first round of the or their their first playoff game, the second playoff game for the Rams. He was two games removed from the knee injury, so he had plenty of rest, and it was actually three weeks because they had a bye. He had 16 carries for 115 yards and a touchdown against what at the time was considered a good run defense. C.J. Anderson also ran through them too. So it just shows you what the Rams are capable of doing. He had two catches in that game, so 18 total touches. Would that be a shock if that's his number? No, and he'd be great. I think he'd be amazing with, with on, 18 on, total touches. Now, that's, that's, that's great, seven uh, yards per I, carry. That's not realistic. Right. <laughs> I, but, I do. The, the other concern is, is this Rams offense as good with the offensive line they have? Well, I think that comes down to two things, and you're 100% right, Heath. Is Whitworth still the same guy after contemplating retirement and fighting through some injuries last year? Are the replacement options that they have going to be as good? But I think that's where you sort of buy into Sean McVay and, you know, what that offensive system has been and what the creativity that he has and what his coaching staff, as revamped as it may be with losing Zach Taylor and, you know, whatever other pieces, it's just hoping that, okay, they do – this with Gurley. They do that with the line. They do this with Goff having Cooper Cup back on the field. You know, it's just, it's so hard to defend them. And so I, I think that Gurley, again, if you just say Gurley is, you know, you, you look into a crystal ball and, and um, Madam Cleo tells you you're getting 16 games <laughs> Miss of Cleo. Todd Gurley. Huh? Miss Cleo, Miss excuse Cleo, me. Miss Cleo, come uh, on. Well, he's, he's trying to be professional. As, as, yeah, as being polite. Um, All right, hey, wrap it up. 16, we got we to gotta get to busts. 16 games of Todd Gurley. <laughs> I guarantee you most people would sign up for that easily with a first-round pick and potentially top five. All right, we're taking a quick they're break doing, they're here doing it now. on Fantasy Football today. When we come back, we're going to end our show. We're not going to get to ADP. We're going to end our show with busts for the 2019 season right after this. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so didn't get to quite as much as I thought we'd get to today, but that's fine. I'm cool with it because we got a whole another 60-minute show tomorrow. Heath, who is a bust this year at running back? Sadly, I'm going to say Philip Lindsay. I hate the fact that they brought in Theo Riddick. There has been nothing but talk so far about Royce Freeman and how they'd like to give him a little big, a bigger piece of the pie on early downs. And I don't think there's really much chance at all that Lindsay is going to repeat what he did on a yard per carry basis last year with 5.4 yards per carry. I don't think there is much chance at all that he's going to score on five of his six carries inside the five yard line. So the one hope that I had was that he'd have an increase in volume in either the rushing game or the passing game. And with the talk about Freeman and the addition of Riddick, I don't see that either. He still has a fourth round ADP. I think that should be the five, six turn. Uh, Jamie, who's a bust? Derrick Henry. I'm not drafting Derrick Henry at all. I hope he's healthy. I hope he gives you that production that you got from the final four games of last season, but it's just so hard to expect that. 
I mean, you know, the first 12 games, I think, are a bigger sample size of what he's potentially going to do. Deion Lewis will still be a factor. I think the offense, you know, Ben Gretsch talked about this a lot. The offense should be better because you get a healthy Marcus Mariota. But just in terms of where Henry's going in the third round, at least the last time I looked as of last week, in terms of his non-PPR average draft position, it's probably fourth round in PPR. I just can't trust it for a guy that's not going to be involved in the passing game. And if the touchdowns come down from the 12 he scored, and again, keep in mind, seven of those came in the final four games, I think you're going to be disappointed with Derrick Henry's production. Right, and that's a change in fantasy football. It's Even in non-PPR, guys who don't catch passes have more bust potential because you're just missing a lot of yards that the other running backs are getting. There were 16 running backs with 50 catches last year. Derrick Henry certainly was not one of them. Uh, Dave, who's a bust for you? I, I can't share in the enthusiasm over Todd Gurley. <laughs> and there's two reasons for it. I, he averaged 22.5 touches per game last season. I think we can all agree that he's not going to get that high. Can we guarantee he's going to get 17 touches a game? I think he'll get some games with 17 touches, but I don't know if that'll be his average. I went back and checked. He has 16 games in his career with 17 or fewer touches. 12 of the 16, he's been below 10 fantasy points in non-PPR. 13 of the 16, he's been below 15 PPR fantasy points. That worries me. We also know he's got a ticking time bomb in his knee. Not guaranteed to go off at all this year. No one knows when it's going to happen, but at any point with a player that's got arthritis in his knee, you, you've got to figure that there's going to be some risk of him missing a game because of maintenance or missing a month because of an injury or a, a strain. That's the drawback to me on Todd Gurley, and it's why I'm. there's no way I can take him in round one. No. And at this point, I'm finding reasons to take other running backs. You heard me talk about Fournette and carry-on. I'm finding other running backs to take in round two ahead of Todd Gurley. And the only reason why Todd Gurley is moving up in my rankings is because guys like Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry and Philip Lindsay are falling down because their situations are terrible. And Gurley just seems like the better option at this point compared to what they're dealing with. That's, those are great stats. I wish I'd heard those stats before I defended Gurley. Do you but want I to know how he's it. done with 19 well, or fewer touches? I, maybe we can talk about that on tomorrow's show, Dave. But we are right. out of time. Um, I hope this was helpful for everybody. Get a little glimpse at the top. When we uh, start tomorrow's show, it is basically going to be average draft position right from the start. So looking forward to that. Thanks a lot to Heath, to Jamie, and to Dave. I'm Adam. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. And... Na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-